0: to this week's The Photographic Life. Um, I suppose it's only natural, really, when you're creating a podcast each week and trying to reflect on, I suppose, what's going on, really, what's going on in my life, what's going on in photography, how those two things intersect, and how they intersect for for you, you know, the the people listening to this podcast who I'm presuming have some kind of engagement or interest in photography. And I suppose that's where I'm kind of starting from this week is that kind of varied experience and knowledge and engagement with the medium and how that variation um, can so inform our opinions, um, the comments, our understanding. Where that really comes from for me I suppose is that frustrating nature of photo forums and photo, and I use the word advisedly here, critics. Um, it does seem to me that whatever the experience and whatever the, the knowledge somebody has, um, they're an expert. And that obviously raises issues. And invariably, on these online forums, it um, it raises falling outs, um, kind of very dogmatic positions being held. I've never been a person uh, to join photo forums as, as I perceive they once were, say, 10 years ago or something. Um, forums attached to perhaps photo magazines or to specific um, practices around Photoshop, perhaps around a particular camera or a camera brand, what, you know whatever it, it may be. Um, the, the one which I am still a member of is a Facebook uh, forum and uh, which comes out of america primarily uh, but obviously has a, a global influence and it just really does um surprise me i suppose uh how um didactic people can be uh when commenting i Put a comment out on Twitter uh, recently. It was actually a, a quotation, a quote from uh, a photographer, a very well respected photographer, who'd sent me an email and raising uh, the point that they'd been listening to the podcast uh, regularly. Um, it seems to me a lot of people kind of binge listen. I don't know if that's starting to become a new thing. Perhaps it is. Um, be careful if you're binging on anything, of course other podcasts are available but anyway so the idea basically was this this photographer was saying that um, he liked the fact that I was commenting on this false narrative that I've discussed previously which surrounds the the competitions and paid for portfolio reviews and I'm not going to go through all of that again because it just becomes boring if you go on about it uh, on and on and on but he was reflecting on that and I retweeted that comment for other people to pick up on. And then somebody else took that comment and then put it on a Facebook page. And in itself, I suppose that becomes interesting. Just how something goes from being uh, a, a thought of listening to that comes to somebody from listening to a podcast. They choose to share that via an email. I choose to share that via a tweet. Somebody else chooses to share that on Facebook, and then a whole series of comments come up from a whole load of people, uh, I don't know, concerning that comment. I read the comments on this Facebook forum concerning my comment, the photographer's comment. I didn't understand any of the, the points that were being made at all, and I tried really hard, and I thought, well, maybe this is something interesting to discuss on the next podcast, and I could take some extracts of some of these comments but i couldn't choose any and it raised this point about everybody being an expert to me i saw an uh, another uh, tweet somebody uh nick turpin actually photographer who has um, contributed to a previous podcast and he's set up this really great uh project which i've been meaning to talk about over the last um couple of weeks but I bumped into Nick the other evening at a private view um, and it reminded me again that I must talk about what he's doing Nick Turpin street photographer primarily um, founder of in public and he's got this new project um, which is on YouTube and I'm sure if you um, just search for Nick Turpin on uh, YouTube you'll find these point of view POV Um, short films, and he's trying to bring those kind of educations and those uh, workshops that he's done for many years and give them away for free as as these little films. And what's great about the point of view stuff is he's actually shooting through the camera. So you're seeing exactly what he's seeing as he's making his judgments to create the pictures. Uh, I used it, actually, as a, a learning tool recently for a student to... Explain not street photography, but just the identification of seeing. And um, <laughs> she still found it quite complicated to understand, but it was great to just be able to use it. Anyway, um, somebody decided to do a review. I think it's only been going for four or five weeks, not not much longer than that, but somebody decided to write a review of Nick's um, project. But the review consisted of A whole load of suggestions that the person writing the review was saying, well, I'd have done it like this. I'd have done it like that. Why doesn't he have uh, out-of-focus pictures behind him when he's sitting there? And I think you're not actually providing useful feedback or, as often should be referred to, I think, feed forward. So you can actually respond to those points that are being raised what the person was doing was saying well i would have done it like this um and actually what i'm telling you is uh, i'm using ideas that other people have seen that i've seen that i think you should use um whereas of course nick's just trying to do something different my take on that to the critic in this in this uh in this instance would be do you know what go and do your own no one's stopping you The critics crit, the doers do. And I think that's a a key point to bear in mind. And similarly, when everybody's getting very head up and expressing these opinions, the first thing I always do is I think, well, who are they and what have they done? Let's just put that comment into some context before it starts taking us down a really concerning road because those points that critic could destroy somebody's confidence, can make them feel anxious, can give them the wrong information. And then we've got to be very careful before adding to or commenting on anything before we start doing it and think, well, if I say this, am I really in a position to say this? And is what I'm saying going to be helpful to the person that I'm saying it to? Or is it just going to be destructive? I don't know if it's just the time of year, my time of mind or whatever it may be, but certainly over the last few months actually, I found myself very much drawn to a reflective, I suppose, I suppose, kind of quiet uh, photography. Uh, Alice Tomlinson, who featured on a previous podcast, um, is certainly fitting into that kind of way of seeing. And so I think does Catherine McDade, who is this week's contributor to What Does Photography Mean to Me? Uh, Catherine was born in Belfast in Northern Ireland and grew up in the Sultanate of Oman uh, in North America, in Northern Ireland and also in London. After graduating with an MA in photography from the Royal College of Art, she moved back to Oman for several years uh, to make the work which became her body of work titled Of Calling Shapes and Beckoning Shadows, a photographic confrontation with her childhood ghosts. Since returning to the UK, she has continued with her long-term project, considering questions around her exiled Irish identity, while spending time working on a book project set in Alaska titled The Firewood*. Uh, sorry, Fire Weed Turns, about hidden shame and the psychological power of unfamiliar landscapes. It was actually that work which first uh, sparked my interest in Catherine. Her body of work uh, Over the Rainbow was selected as part of the 2015 Voices Off Awards in Arles and as part of the Photography Festival 80 Days of Summer in Ghent. Uh, The Fireweed Turns book was launched at the Photographer's Gallery uh, earlier this year actually in um, February. Uh, Catherine's work is very well worth checking out. It's very considered and as you've probably um, guessed from my description so far it's very very personal
1: I have a book called why people photograph which is a collection of essays by the photographer Robert Adams right at the beginning of the book he explains all the photographers he likes or share the quality of animation they may or may not make a living by photography but they're alive by it and I guess this is what photography means to me to be active in the world, to be awake. The first time I went to see a photography exhibition was not long after my 17th birthday. I went on my own to an Eve Arnold show at the Barbican. I'd been taking photographs for about a year by then, going faithfully to photo club on a Wednesday lunchtime at school in London. I can still vividly remember standing, looking at a photograph of Marilyn Monroe, hanging around on a film set. I remember experiencing such a feeling of intimacy and excitement. Eve Arnold had photographed Monroe as a real person. Here she was, vulnerable and mysterious all at once. It was wonderful to me and very daunting. How did Arnold do it? How did she see so closely while also stepping back? As a teenager, I was photographing the boys and girls at a nightclub in Soho called Blow Up that my best friends and I spent every weekend at. I was shy, a bit awkward, very self-conscious about my appearance, but I didn't want to be watching from the edge. I wanted to be in amongst it all. Photography gave me that power. It gave me a way to be up close with the clique, yet remain kind of hidden. Behind a camera I felt safe, I felt protected. And of course being a photographer gave me a role to play, one I was much more confident in than just dressing up and looking good. It was the late 1990s and there was a small mod revival scene taking place. The boys and girls at Blow Up were all decked out in amazing 1960s fashion, pretending to be something other. I got to be something other too. Photography gave me a place to inhabit at 18 years old, and that's never really changed. Photography has allowed me both a place of certainty, a place of security, as well as giving me a way to escape. And I think about this a lot, the link between intimacy and distance in photography. When I first went to university to study photography, I became quite fixated with certain books. Susan Lipper's fun comes straight to mind. The community she immersed herself in and the landscape the men, women and children inhabited was not one I'd ever seen and likely would never see unless I sought it out. But here a whole messy, funny, heartbreaking world unfolded page after page. The immensity of the ordinary becomes extraordinary. All the characters are fascinating, flawed and unfamiliar as they are. They're real people and the photographer Lipper is there somewhere and amongst it all, brave enough to get up close, yet able to stand back in the moment to see something more. Photography is a medium that lets you in straight away. There's an immediate closeness to what you're looking at. Things are recognisable without analysis. This makes it a very psychologically direct medium. It's connection to what we already know or perhaps what we're trying to understand. My own photography comes through an instinctive response to my surroundings and making work gives me strength. However, I don't consider photography an emotive language as such. Deliberately using blur to describe personal feelings, for example, is not something I connect with. Photography works best as an indexical medium. The camera's clear-eyed vision is mechanical, and it's cold. For me, photography is a form of control. It's a way to give structure to complicated feelings. The automatic process of making photographs creates a distance, which in turn allows the freedom to directly face things. There occurs an immediate frankness, otherwise inaccessible, and things take on a clarity of their own. I've just self-published my first book, The Fireweed Turns, and it took me a really long time to do that. I made the photographs in Alaska one summer several years ago. When I first returned to London, I put the work aside, unsure of what I'd just done. I knew why I'd gone there, but I was anxious about facing it head on. I'd first encountered the landscape of the Pacific Northwest in my childhood. My father worked on an island in the Aleutian chain, while we were at a local Catholic school in Seattle. He would come home full of great stories all about the tough men he worked with and the magical landscape of light and dark. I was a kid and utterly seduced by it. At the same time, I was watching cop shows on the TV, fascinated with the news reports about the Green River Killer and the execution of Ted Bundy. I'd grown up prior to Seattle in the Sultanate of Oman in a remote desert landscape, watching the same three VHS tapes over and over. American culture was wild in comparison, was scary and exciting. After a couple of years I was sent to school in Belfast in Northern Ireland where my family's from and eventually moved to London as a teenager. When I returned to Alaska as an adult the images I were taking were in some ways already in my head. The Alaska I'd been told about as a child was there if you knew how to look for it. I was searching for the place that existed in my imagination, a place that was steeped in fear and longing and I had a reason to be wandering around, a stranger on my own. had a camera, I was a photographer. So what photography means to me is maybe best summed up by the photographer Paul Graham, who says, understanding the nature of the creative act is when you dance with life itself, when you form the meaningless world into photographs.
0: I think it's safe to say that Catherine definitely has a voice for radio. I'd love to hear her reciting some Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I've listened to that contribution on a number of occasions now, and I never get bored with listening to it. And every time I listen to it, it takes me into a different place, a different kind of thought process develops. And um, I hope it um, it had the same effect uh, on you. Uh, we're not usually the kind of people, well, we're not the kind of people here. At a Photographic Life, uh, who give tips. But I heard one this week, which I thought was brilliant. So I'm going to share it with you. It came to me from a photographer, and it concerns chasing invoices and payment. Basically, what he's done is set up an email address, which is accounts at the URL for his website. And he sends out letters from that accounts at email, and he signs them from using a woman's name, using a female name. The idea is that that is his accounts department and she's contacting. So he can be quite strident with the emails he sends under this other name. Now, of course, that could perhaps be described as being sexist. Maybe he could use a male name as well. However, I'm just telling you the story. But there is no doubt using another name, adopting another identity, could be the way forwards to trying to uh, ensure that you get paid and that you're not taking that flack personally. The other thing that somebody asked me the other day was, does that podcast really come from a shed? Yes, it does. And not only does it come from a shed, but if I stretch my arms out to the sides of me, And to the front and behind me, I can pretty much touch all four walls. This isn't a big budget operation. So uh, this week we've covered a number of issues and I'm sure and I hope it's kind of raised more debate and more discussion because that's the point of the Photographic uh, Life podcast. It's why I do it is to kind of share this information. And as I was talking about with uh, Nick Turpin at the beginning of the podcast, He's putting that stuff out there for free. So am I. That's the idea behind what we do. I did see a comment um, by somebody the other day saying that, um, particularly on Twitter, at UN of Photo, that we um, are right, but sometimes we're pessimistic. Uh, We're right, but sometimes we're a little extreme. I kind of responded to that by saying, I don't think we're pessimistic. I'd like to think we're optimistically realistic, which is kind of my description of a, a sort of pessimistic reality, I suppose. Always like to try and see the upside, the positive in everything. Uh, as far as the extreme, uh, maybe sometimes we are. Maybe sometimes things need to be said. I did respond to that by saying, I think we need we live in extreme times, and when you live in extreme times, the most important thing is to take care.